I want you to look at the verse Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 today is our focus. Let me read it to you. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right paths. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit and your word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. Lord, if you prompt me with it, I wanna be obedient to speak to it. And Lord, you look at all of us today, you see us all today, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher, I'm your preacher, and on me is a greater judgment than anybody in this room. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see you guys. 2003, we had a word that we used periodically through the year called rearrange. Uh, it really means make room for the Lord. Uh, carve out in your day time that you spend with him, that you spend with the Father. Carve out time where you're in his word not just casually, but in his word, let it feed you. Uh, that's what we meant by rearrange or make room. Uh, with uh, this today in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we're gonna get a new word for 2024, and it's gonna be trust. You're gonna hear that periodically throughout the year of learning to trust the Lord in a deeper level than what you do. Um, when it comes to Proverbs, many people have uh, devotion books that are, that really suggests that you read a proverb every day for the month, which is wise because it is wisdom literature. Uh, Jenny, I'll pick on you a moment. You first heard this sermon a long, long time ago uh, when you were in college. And this is a life verse for uh, the Eaton family. Uh, it means uh, that we don't go by the other verses. It just means this one really raises off the page for us. Uh, and it is, a, it is a part of Julie's family too growing up, my family growing up, uh, and it's a part of our family. It's a part of my leadership to really present a challenge to you uh, to, learn, to just really trust in the Lord. So it begins, <clears throat> first thing he tells us to do is trust, but we need a picture of that. What does that look like? Uh, it means you're attaching yourself. It means you are connecting in some way. Faith and trust go together, but they also stand a little bit separate. Faith, faith is where we all begin, all of us. We begin with a faith that God can. That's where it all starts. You, you, get, you, you get to believing God can. But then, there's a, as a follower of Christ, it changes. It moves from faith that God can, that I trust him that he will. Faith and trust work together, but then they also stand on their own. When, when I began a relationship with the Lord, and you did too, it began with a, a, a God can faith. And again, hear me, it must begin there. But then it moves on to I trust him that he will. And the old picture, it's an old picture, it's a oldie but a goodie, okay? And that is the illustration of a chair. I can stand off and I can look at a chair. I can see what it's made out of, how it's constructed to the best of my observation. So I'm gonna stand off and I'm going to believe that it, it, that it can hold me up. That's, that's faith, I'm looking at it, I believe that it can. 
but I've not trusted that chair until I have placed myself in it. There, there's a picture of the difference. I can stand off and believe God can, which we all must start there. I, I'm always going to say that. Uh, we can't dodge that point. But then it moves deeper into trusting him that he will. I can stand off and believe the chair that it will hold me up, but I've not trusted that chair until I have placed myself in it. And it, it's, it's the picture of moving for James says, from being a hearer to being a doer. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing from the word of God. How are they gonna hear if we don't have a preacher, right? I said, God made preachers so you can be mad at them, right? How, how are they gonna hear if they don't have a preacher? So it all begins, our faith work all begins by being able to understand the message and the faith message, believing that God can. Jesus said, for all those who have ears to hear, I'll let you finish it. Let them hear. Let them hear. It all begins there. But James goes a little further. And he says it moves from being a hearer, which is believing God can, having faith that God can, where we all start to switching to trusting him that he will. Uh, last November, or last November, this November, I'm already in 2024. I was in Somerset, First Baptist Somerset, and uh, I was talking to a lot of preachers that I hadn't seen in a long time. This guy comes up to me, he's a pastor in Lexington, and he had invited me to his church a number of years ago, and he had invited me to uh, challenge uh, the leaders of that church. And I did, I came to, I came to give, give them a challenge. And one of the things that I challenged him in, or that I focused on more than anything else, <clears throat> is we, we do have faith that God can, but as believers, we step up and trust that he will. And he said, uh, our leadership repeats that often, that not only do we believe God can, we will trust him that he will. Uh, it, it is important that you're able to see that. You and I get to the point that we're, that we're trusting in him. And, and notice it says trust in the Lord. It doesn't say trust in something. It says trust in someone. It, there's no trust in an object here. It's we trust in someone. There, there's not even a trust in the future. Many times, many of us have plans that absolutely do not go our way, right? And seasons of our life that we didn't ask for, we didn't pick, we didn't pick them uh, that come our way. So it's not even a trust in the future. Our, our trust today, our trust is in the Lord. Uh, back in the 90s, I led some tours to Israel. I thought that was going to be a part of my life for a while, uh, but it, obviously it didn't. And uh, I was on the Sea of Galilee with one of my professors from seminary at Southern uh, in Louisville. His name was Dr. Wayne Ward, Dr. Ward. And we loved him. He's a, full of joy. 
uh, we could have him for a lecture on Friday and we were tired of being lectured to and he was the kind of guy that you could bring up a question and we, we knew that it was going to divert him off of the lecture that day so we didn't have to take notes, you know. And so we, we would be out in the lobby going, you ask him this, you know. And boy, he'd get on it. Uh, he'd get to preaching and we, we loved it, but we didn't have to take notes that day. So uh, Dr. Ward is a good friend. He's, he's with the Lord now. But we were on the Sea of Galilee together uh, a couple different times, but this one particular time, and I, I'm sure being on that body of water reminded him of what our discussion was about. He said, Jeff, when I go into churches and teach Bible studies and do revivals, he said, do you know the question that people ask me the most out of all my years of doing this? And of course I didn't know. And he said, the question they asked me the most is, how does Jesus walk on the water? And again, being on that body of water, I'm sure kicked in that memory of his. And uh, I said, well, what do you do when they ask you that? He goes, I tell them they're asking the wrong question. When you figure out who Jesus is, then what he can do is not an issue. You gotta know who he is. And when you realize who he is, Walking on the water is not even is not even anything to be able to handle. Um, so, as a pastor, I'm, I'm always going to challenge myself and you to trust in the Lord deeper than than I'm trusting Him now. You're going. Is this ever going to end? The answer is no. It's a continual more levels of being able to trust Him. So, it, it, the challenge is going to be where is our focus? Uh, and our focus has got to be that we're trusting the Lord. Someone, not something, but someone. And it says to do this with all of our heart. I don't have a lot of points under this other than just everything. <laughs> it means everything. If your heart quits, you quit. And it's everything, right? It's absolutely everything. All areas of our life that we are to be able to trust the Lord in. And I don't know that we all do that. It's all a piece of work, isn't it? That we, even in our finances, all of that, we learn to trust the Lord in a, in a deeper, deeper way with all of our heart, everything that is central to our life, like our heart is central to our life, that we trust the Lord. And then here comes a warning. I'm gonna spend a little time here with you. In all this wisdom literature, here's a warning in the middle of this. And the, the warning is don't, don't rely, or I learned it growing up, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't, don't do that. Have you met those people that have it all figured out, except the problem is they have it all figured out, but it's not based on scripture. Uh, it's, uh, it's outside of scripture. They, uh, they are like, well, this is the way it is, and that is the way it is, and this is just something I've put together. I've got my own philosophy of belief. I've got my own understandings. But it's usually outside of Scripture. Are you listening? It's outside the context of Scripture. And when we rearrange, we're still in 2023, we want to bring His Word into our life on a daily basis. You have to feed your soul. You listening? That's what it is. I've got to feed my soul. 
and I feed my soul with the word of God, not just an idea or a concept or a philosophy. I've got to feed my soul with the word of God. He, his revelation is there. His revelation comes in many ways, but one of the ways he reveals himself to us is through his word. I have learned that mostly, I said mostly, logic has got to be tossed out the window. It's, it's not always in a logical sense. Some people think they have God figured out in a logical sense where I'm going to handle that for you in just a moment. And it, it, we, it, it, we don't follow him based on logic. A lot of what the Lord asks us to do does not make earthly sense. Let, we're, we're just moving out of Advent and we had a wonderful Advent, didn't we? Gosh, man, we, it was wonderful, powerful. Um, and the birth story is part of the gospel story. And it doesn't make sense. A man who has some of the highest royalty of heaven goes to a manger in Bethlehem. Of all places, Bethlehem. Born to a peasant family to a woman who's pregnant out of marriage and doesn't even have a biological dad. Now, look at that with logic. It doesn't make any sense. You, you and I would not write that story that way. We would not do it that way. Uh, and, and since we're so close to Advent, I just want to show you it doesn't always make sense in what the Lord has you to do. But it will make sense to Scripture and it will make sense to Him and it will match because Scripture is Him. If you want to know who the Lord is in a deeper way, you will find His character and His person in and through the life of Scripture. It will feed your soul. So kingdom life doesn't always look like earthly life or worldly life. In fact, kingdom life is a counterculture to that. It, it's like salmon going upstream. It doesn't go with the flow. It usually goes the other way. And I, I'm going to take you to Isaiah 55, 8 through 11, and some of you will go ahead and start reading it. But here's the problem. Here, here's where we get if you and I are not in his word and let it shape us and mold us. You and I will get to a place and we will logically think this way. We will think that God thinks like I do and God works like I do. Can we just say that that's really a struggle in our life? We will get to the point that God thinks like me or God's ways are like my ways, or God works like me, God reacts like me. Hang on, I thank God that God is not like us. That God is not like us. Look at these verses in Isaiah 55. If you're a Gideon in the Gideon ministry, your verse is hidden right in the middle of this, uh, in this verse 11, but let's walk through this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is what the Lord declares. For as the heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
For just as rain and snow fall from heaven, do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat. So my word, this is the Gideon verse right here. So my word that comes out of my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. Because we'll, we'll get to the point in our logic going scripture needs to catch up to 2024, where I believe 2024 needs to go back to scripture. So we'll get to thinking logically, God acts like I act. He, he thinks like I think. He works like I work. Praise the Lord, he doesn't. He is righteous and he is just and he is faithful and he is true. So he doesn't think like you and I think. It's a, it, hallelujah is right, Pops. It, it, it is, it is a, it is, it's a struggle for us to always, but here's what, here's what scripture says in Philippians 2. We can have the mind of Christ. That we work through his word to develop the mind, to develop the mind of Christ. So I, I don't lean on your own understanding. It'll get you in trouble. Don't, don't rely on your own understanding. Don't say I've got it figured out without taking it to the Father. That's why I want you to go to the Father. If you go to the Father a little more often than you go to your mind, we may have some different results. I gotta believe that he can, but I'm gonna trust him that he will, right? And that's the picture that we have here. The warning is don't lean on your own understanding. Don't rely on it because the kingdom doesn't work in such fashion. He says later, he said, uh, think about him, or I learned it, acknowledge him in all your ways. And I have it down in three ways that we teach here in discipling people, where you live, work, and play. So many people come into me all the time and they're like, Pastor, how can I plug into the church? How can I plug into the church? How can I plug into the church? We give you ways to serve, we have and we will. But uh, it's really the wrong question. Where you start acknowledging and honoring the Lord is where you live, work, and play. Well, neighborhood, house, whatever. They need to know that you love the Lord. Your work needs to know that you love the Lord. Where you recreate your hobbies and where you play needs to know that you love the Lord. Needs to know that. So where do I start? Most of our logic is we start by plugging into church, finding a place to serve. You will. It usually takes a year. If you come to our church and you're here, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I've been pastoring this church for 25 years. I've been pastoring for 38. So in that, it usually takes a year for somebody to find where they may serve in the church. But you're going, where do I plug in? What do I do? Here's what you do. It's kingdom. It's a kingdom strategy. You acknowledge him. You make him known where you live, work, and play. That's where you start. Your own testimony. Your own environment. You just begin there. And then he makes a promise. He said the promise is he will guide your paths and he will guide you on the right path. Or I learned it, he will make your path straight. Does this mean... Does this mean that I will have a life without problems? That I will have a life without struggles? A life without sacrifice? A life without suffering? 
No, it doesn't. Do I understand that all of us in this room right now will do our best to dodge problems and struggles, dodge sacrifice and suffering? Yes, I understand that. I don't think any of us go through the life buffet and go, I want a little more problems on my plate. Or I need another helping of suffering. <laughs> or I need another helping of struggle here. And, and, uh, and I don't think any of us go through life. I think we would dodge our, to the best of our ability of putting that on our life plate. No doubt about it. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. James says, when you go through trials, we'll go through trials that'll be from this world and we'll go through testing that will be from God. I don't want you to forget, I want you to hear. I pray for a word of knowledge every time. You may not understand what that is, but this is for somebody in this room today. There are times that God will put you in a situation to test your heart, to see if it really does belong to him. You hear me? So trials from the world, testing from God will happen. James says, when, when these things come, not if, when they come, they're going to come. They're going to happen. I get it that you want to dodge them. None of us want them. But it's going to happen. So the picture here is, if you bring the scripture back up, the picture here is, the promise is, he will guide you on the right paths. He will make your path straight. So that's the key. The key is, he is going to lead us through these things. I believe the center of the gospel message is the cross and the resurrection. But I believe the whole story is about he came to rescue us and then lead us through. That's a picture of the gospel message. He came to lead us through. Um, many of you all don't know pastor life too much. Um, and, and pastor life is always interrupted. You, we, you, we'll have plans. We'll have family plans. And, and here lately, it's just been inundated with funerals, uh, several funerals in the last four or five months and multiple funerals a week. Uh, so uh, I, I got a call. I, I've, I've, this family lives in Dixon, Kentucky. You've, I know you may not know where that is, but uh, it's, uh, it's in Webster County, which is the other side of Madisonville, on the west side of Madisonville. Uh, it's between a little town called Providence and Henderson. If you know, Providence would be in the south, Henderson would be in the north, and Dixon is a little county seat town with no stoplight right in the middle of that. Um, and we lived in that area, worked in the coal mines there a little bit. But there's a family there that uh, we have been family friends since I, we, since I was a baby. Um, and the parents and my parents... It's the Scott family. The Scott family and the Eaton family have been best friends forever and forever. So they have four children and uh, they have one girl, two girls, but one of the girls is named Judy. She's same age as me. She's, she's like a sister to me. And her husband had pancreatic cancer and he suffered. Keith was his name, Keith Whitledge. And uh, they called me uh, you know, a few weeks ago and told me about it. Uh, and uh, I just kept up with him, and, and, and he, he's, even with medication, he suffered greatly. 
so I had his funeral Wednesday. So when a funeral comes up, you, you, you push everything, you rearrange your whole week, your days, everything changes. So uh, I, I knew she was going to ask me to do this funeral. So I pushed things away to do the funeral Wednesday. And so I, I go there. I go there because Judy's like a sister. Uh, my, my father performed their wedding. Uh, it just goes on and on, all of our connection. But here is a woman whose husband passed away. Uh, two, two daughters, their father passed away. Beautiful grandchildren, their grandfather passed away. And this is the way I think as a, as a pastor too. Obviously not gonna bring this up at the funeral, but uh, um, the major income, he, he had a surveying business. The major income is gone from them now. And as a pastor, I think that way, even though I don't preach that. And uh, there's, there's suffering there. There's, there's these huge question marks in their future. But I, I went there out of my love for the family. But I also went there to remind everybody there that God will lead you through. I don't want to stand off and just believe and have faith that God can, even though that's where it starts. I want to step up. And I want to trust him that he will. You've got question marks in your future. You've got question marks around you now. Julie and I certainly have question marks around us right now. We have a lot of stuff around us. But you know what? I've got to trust. I've got to trust. I, I know I'm going, God, I, I want the answer. We people down here, we like it up front, but I just want you to know we, uh, his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes he doesn't reveal until you take the next obedient step. When you take that step, then more revelation will come. You all listening? So we have question marks. What do I do with those question marks? Here's what we do. We tune into ourselves, thinking that God thinks like we do and we just barrel on ahead. And you've got to go to the Father. You've got to go to his word to find out what's the next obedient step for me to do. And I know Judy and the girls have a lot of question marks, but I had to go remind them. And I will continue to remind them that I know that you have faith that God can, but you've got to trust him that he will. With a lot, all their life has changed. And we all know that. We've all been there in some capacity in our life. But it says he will guide you on the right paths. It doesn't mean that it's a path that's going to dodge suffering or it's going to dodge sacrifice or struggles. It doesn't mean that. He's just going to guide you on the right path. He will lead you through that becomes the picture that you and I've got to believe and even to understand. Uh, so I, I don't know, I, I, I know that um, there's, a, there's a picture we're gonna put on the, on the screen for just a moment that helps you understand how God leads us. And I used to say this a lot when Hope Church, uh, when Hope Church started. I used to say this a lot. And then Tammy McCall uh, took that and this is painted on the hallway in Tiny Town right in here. And uh, you're probably trying to figure out what that is. And that's a turtle on a fence post. Now, I'm country as cornbread and I love it. I love country and I love cornbread. So bo both in that sentence fit me fine. Uh, 
I, I used to have the saying, if you find a turtle on a fence post, you need to realize he didn't get there by himself. Uh, listen, let me just tell you something. Only by the grace of God are you here today. You understand? I mean, you need to stop. And we live in such a hurry, we don't realize it. Some of us walk around like we're God's gift to the human race. And the truth is, his son is the gift to the human race. You need to realize who he is, and scripture will continually remind you of who you are. And some of you, we, we get to thinking, my innovation, my creativity, all that has just built what I have. Don't go thinking that you built anything. He, you only have it because he's allowed you to have it. And you're going, man, I don't believe in that. That's his word. And don't think for a moment that God doesn't call people to hire, hire platforms. He does. But whatever platform he calls you to is where you need to be obedient to that. And, not, and live a life that believes, I have faith that God can, I'm gonna trust him that, we will, that, he, that he will. All of us have question marks about our future. All of us do. And I don't know what, I don't know what 2024 has in store for you or me. I have no idea. But I, I, I tell you, it's gotta be trust. Always has to be trust. And I, I don't know what this year's coming for either one of us, but I know a way maker. I know the one who will make a way where there seems to be no way. We'll go back to that verse again in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him where you live, work, and play in all your ways, and he will guide you on the right paths. We're gonna give an invitation here to um, ask you to come and remember the Lord's sacrifice today. But before we do that, I wanna tell you a story out of our life. Uh, early on in ministry, I had pastored two churches and I, I, I was really just nitpicking at seminary and I needed to get a big chunk of seminary out of the way. If you, if you don't know, a master's degree in seminary is almost 100 hours. So a lot of masters are just 30 some hours, but a master's in divinity is close to 100 hours. So I needed to get a big chunk of it out. So Julie and I moved to Louisville and uh, we lived in St. Matthew's off Breckenridge Lane, if you know where Baptist East Hospital in that area is. Actually, we live right across the road from Baptist East Hospital. And Julie's been a nurse since 1981, actually. And she worked at Suburban Hospital. It's called Suburban then. It's not named that now. And um, in fact, all that area's grown up. It wasn't as grown up when we were there. To let you know, Andrew was two years old when we moved there. So I went to school during the day. Julie worked three to 11 shift. Uh, I, we had one vehicle. I was a, a Mr. Mom, so don't, don't go thinking that's glorified. It just meant Andrew ate a lot of chunky soup, you know, canned chunky soup. And uh, so, uh, but I would put him to bed a lot of the time. And uh, with Andrew, when he was then, you had to sing Silent Night, Holy Night every night. He would come up and he'd go, sing, sing Holy Night, Mom, that's what he called it, or sing Holy Night, Dad. And so when you put him to bed, he wanted to hear Silent Night, Holy Night. So I sang it to him, put him to bed. And uh, any, any change we had from the day, we put in a cup, coffee cup on a shelf. 
And uh, we, uh, we would save that money to go to Chuck E. Cheese or whatever to do something with him. Times were tough for us then, really, really tough. And uh, school, work, finances, what's our future hold, all that stuff. What am I going to do in ministry? Am I going to make it through Hebrew and Greek? You know, all those things. So I was uh, putting to sleep. I got up. I realized I had some change in my pocket. So I was going to put it in his cup that we saved for Chuck E. Cheese. So I put the money in the cup and uh, a quarter hit the edge of the cup. I thought it was going to wake him up. I was more afraid of that than anything. And he had a, we kept a nightlight in his room and the quarter rolled over to the nightlight area and almost really landed underneath on the floor as a carpet, but landed underneath that nightlight. And I went to pick it up and uh, there were four words on that quarter. And I asked myself, dude, do we really? In fact, if we're not careful in this room, we will trust the money more than we'll trust our God. And I, I then said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. It's not that I haven't trusted you. I'm going to learn with confidence to trust you more. I'm going to stand off. I'm going to have faith that God can. This is where we all start. But I'm going to step up and I'm going to trust you that you will. And he is faithful. So as we approach the table, he asked us to remember him today. So will you remember as you take the bread and you can take it back to your seat and take it, we won't be taking it simultaneously. Come get it, you can take it here, you can take it back to your seat and take it. As we come to the table, he says, remember me. So let's remember that he came to rescue us and he died for us, he gave his body for us. When we take the drink, let's remember that his blood was shed so that we could be forgiven and we could be free. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says this, Paul writes to the church there, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns or comes again. So when we participate in this meal right now, the bread and the, uh, the, bread and the drink, we're saying he's Lord of our life without saying a word. We're coming to remember and say thanks. This is a great connection to Advent because in Advent, you celebrate his arrival at birth and then you look toward his return. And so this communion is a great segue into the new year because we, we're remembering him and declaring his lordship until he returns. So even taking this meal, we're not, saying, we're only, we're not only saying he's lord of our life, we're saying that we, we await your blessed return. And as you take this today, Tell him, I have faith that you can. I want to trust you that you will. Let's pray together. Father, I pray over our people. Uh, I pray as we approach your table, Lord, it is with remembrance of all that you have done for us. Lord, I, I pray that we also remember not only your death on the cross, your blood shed, but I also realize that, Lord, we await, your, we await your, your next arrival, your coming again. We say today that you're Lord of our life. And, Lord, we also are saying that I want to trust you.
my faith and my trust is in you. Thank you for Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, we pray together, amen. Church, would you stand with me? You're invited to the table. It's his table, not mine, and you come.